This is John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme. I say, Thompson. Oh, Walker, how do you do? How do you do? Thompson, old man, I wanted a quiet word with you. Oh, of course, nothing the matter. No, no, no. And, and look here, you must forgive me for sticking my nose into your business, but the fact is, some of the fellows were saying you were thinking of hiring on Ferguson for your firm. Well, yes, so I am. Should I not? Oh, no, I, I wouldn't say that, and doubtless you know all about it anyway. But I just thought it was my duty to give you a word to the wise. Uh, Ferguson is a capital fellow, but, shall we say, he gets very little change at the haberdashers. <laughs> I'm sorry, how do you mean? Well, I'm just saying, in his farmyard, all the geese are swans. <laughs> he has a farm? No, 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 not as far as I know. I'm speaking elusively, you understand. I don't understand. <laughs> well, I'm simply saying his penny whistle is not worth fourpence. <laughs> well, no, naturally not. <laughs> no, but it's not worth fourpence. Fourpence? Fourpence? Yes, fourpence. It's not worth fourpence. No, I'm sorry. Well, well, look, I'm trying to say there's no peg in his parlour for a petticoat. Oh, I see. He's a homosexual. What? No. Good Lord, no. I mean, is he? Not as far as I know. Well, no, no, then, no, I, I wasn't for a moment suggesting there was no bell on his bicycle. I... <laughs> I simply meant he parts his hair in the middle. Oh, a bisexual. What? I don't even know what that is. No, no I, I, I'm saying he's the sort of chap who eats his porridge with two spoons. No, sorry. There are more shells in his garden than there ever were snails. And again? There are ivory dice in his Westcott pocket. He's a gambler. No, not literal dice, for heaven's sake. If you must make me come out and say it, he's the sort of chap who, if your chimney was on fire, would lend you an umbrella. <laughs> So, so stupid. No! Unhelped. No! <clears throat> He's got a brass button on the back of his hat. His cherry tree only bears plums. <laughs> he wouldn't thank you for a punch in the side of the head. Well, no more would I. <laughs> oh. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh. Well, well, then, by all means, employ him. Birds of a feather must flock together, eh? No, I, I just mean I wouldn't thank you for a punch in the side of the head. <laughs> yes, yes, I heard you. I, don't worry, old man, I'm not prejudiced. Live and let live, that's my motto. But... <laughs> then, of course, I would say that. After all, just between ourselves, I myself keep a toasting fork in the billiard parlour. <laughs> Get out of my sight, you filthy hound! <laughs> Wow, look at that guy. He's really tall. <laughs> he must be 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, Don't see many people that tall. He looks good, though. He's picked that suit well. And he's got broad shoulders, I suppose, so he doesn't look lanky, just tall. He is really tall. I should say something to him. <laughs> no. No, of course not. I mean, he knows he's tall. He doesn't need a complete stranger telling him so. That would just be really irritating. Hang on, though. Don't overthink it. <laughs> After all, being tall's a good thing. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't dream of saying anything if he was short. That would be rude, but telling a man he's tall, that's a compliment. Oh, what I should do is I should try and think up some little quip to show him I've noticed his enviable height, but will also leave him with a smile on his lips. Oh, hang on. Um, yeah, what was that thing my uncle used to say to tall people? Ah, uh, something to do with... <gasps> oh, yes! <laughs> That's it. That's really funny. Oh, and this guy's almost certainly never met my uncle, so it'll be completely new to him. Oh, this is going to be so great. He is going to love this. Oi, Lofty, what's the weather like up there? 
Yeah, nice one. <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> oh, oh, Jen, don't look, but look. What? What? The woman on the bench over there. Tattoo of a snake around her neck. No. Yeah, look, look when she turns. <gasps> oh, oh, that is bad. Yeah. Why would you want a snake around your neck? Why would you want any kind of tattoo? Well, I don't know. I quite like some of them, you know, when they're done well. Well, yeah, me too, in theory, but you're stuck with them forever. Well, yeah, so? I just can't imagine feeling that certain of my future opinion, do you know what I mean? Hmm? You know, about, about anything. I mean, I wish I did, in a way. I mean, imagine having the confidence to say, you know what, I'm so sure about this decision that I know every future version of myself is going to agree that it's a great idea. Let's go for it. I just... I could never do that. Right. <laughs> of course, we are married. But, yeah, but, but that's different. How? It's just different. How? Well, you know, because there's always divorce. <laughs> Oh, right. No, right. I'm, I'm not saying I want a divorce. Oh, OK, because you're going the right way to get one. No, no, I just, I just mean, you know, as a matter of fact, marriages are reversible, tattoos aren't. Yes, they are. Yeah, they say that, but they really... Even those big ones across your whole back, I think it'd be easier to get a divorce than get one of those removed. Right, you're getting a tattoo. I love Matt across your face. Yeah. <laughs> wanted a tattoo. I did want to marry you. Well, yeah, apparently, so long as you could get out of it later. No, that's not why I got married. But it was a consideration. You mean, did I consider it? Mm. Yes, of course I did. <gasps> oh. oh, what? You're telling me you didn't? That at no point when we were discussing getting married, it never even crossed your mind that if, God forbid, it didn't work out, we could always get divorced? Well... You didn't factor it in at all, not even hating yourself as you did it? Yes, all right, yes, I did, of course I did. Well, then what are we arguing about? You're just never supposed to say it. Yes, well, I'm sorry I did. Well, so am I. Okay, then. Okay. Anyway, happy honeymoon. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. Um, I won't keep you long. I just want to say welcome, everyone, whichever city you're from, to our, our annual sports day. Uh, the occasion where we come together to enjoy a relaxed day of friendly rivalry between our two great cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> so uh, let me, first of all, just... Uh, could you just... Uh, sorry, could you just stop that, you two? Just, just while I'm talking. Thank you. Lovely. Uh, now, of course, uh, as you know, I myself am a proud sodomite, by which I mean someone who comes from Sodom. That's what that word means. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with the other kind of... Co- I'm, If there's one thing everyone knows about our city, it's that we don't think there's anything wrong with the other kind. Although perhaps not not while people are trying to make a speech, you two at the back. Thank thank you very much. Uh, Anyway, uh, let me assure you that you're equally welcome today, whether you are a sodomite, again, meaning someone who comes from Sodom, or a Gomorrah, by which, of course, I mean someone from Gomorrah, not necessarily someone who indulges in the vile and depraved practice known as Gomorrahizing. <laughs> An act so foul, I wouldn't be at all surprised if history simply obliterates it from memory. <laughs> although, I, although I can see you three, four, the, the, the whole of the back row just starting to do it. Now, could you just wait until after the speech? That would be, that would be super. Um, yeah, I, I just thought I'd uh, run through uh, the events today very quickly. Uh, first up, there's the 100 metre sinning. Uh, quarter-mile sinning and the freestyle sinning, always a popular event. Uh, then there's a three-hour orgy, uh, the eight-hour orgy, 
We're not starting a new unlimited time orgy this year because obviously last year's is still going on. <laughs> uh, then a brand new event for this year. Who can make God saddest using only their own body? <laughs> I know some of you have some very creative ideas for this one and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing them. And uh, then we'll end, of course, with the traditional Sodom versus Gomorrah tug of war. Uh, which, if it's anything like last year's well, I'm sure remain etched on our retinas forever. <laughs> well, that's, uh, so that's all from me. Oh, except to just to quickly welcome a distinguished visitor to our Twin Cities, uh, Mr. Abraham, uh, who I certainly hope will join in with all the fun. No, no, he's, he's shaking his head. Um, well, at any rate, apparently he's here to uh, provide some sort of report on us to someone. So let's really pull out the stops and show him what we can do. Enjoy the show, Abe! <laughs> that guy looks just like Tony Robinson. <laughs> no, wait. It, it, it is. Oh, God, it, it definitely is. That's Tony Robinson. I love Tony Robinson. God, he's just such an amazing comic actor. I should say something to him. No. No, he won't want that. He must have people pestering him the whole time. He, he just wants to be left in peace. Hang on, though. Don't overthink it. I mean, he may be famous, but he's a, he's a person, too. Why wouldn't he appreciate hearing that his work has meant a lot to me? I mean, obviously he doesn't want me to sit down and, and gush about how great he is, but just some little comment, some quiet word to let him know how much I admire him. I mean, that would give a lift to anyone's day, surely. I mean, maybe just a little reference to his work, something only he would pick up on, something to let him know I'm a, a true fan. Maybe even combine a reference for a couple of things, because he's had such a varied career. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I think I've got it. Yes, I know exactly what to say. He is going to love this. <laughs> Oi, time team, I've got a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. So, brothers, the folks are tallied, and once again, I must tell you, we have failed to agree on a new pope. Oh. Once again, votes were equally divided between those in favour of Cardinal Mancini and those in favour of Cardinal de Souza, and once again, there was a single abstention. Oh. We will therefore once again embark on a period of prayer and discussion. Cardinal Alonso, would you care to begin? Well, I keep coming back to... But perhaps if I might suggest on a different tack from your usual one. Well, yes. But I really do keep coming back, you know, to, um, Jamila. Oh. Brother, I believe the Conclave has already spent enough time discussing the claims to the papacy of Jamelia. Oh, yes, but have we? Who's he say? The same one he always says, brother. That British singer. Oh. <laughs> if I can just pick you up there. Um, Jamelia is actually a lot more than just a singer. Um, mm. She's also a presenter, a very promising actress, and she's launched her own fragrance and range of hair care products. <laughs> yeah, all of which I think shows exactly the sort of dynamism and energy which I, for one, believe would make her an excellent pope. But she's not eligible. Well, she should be. But she's not a cardinal. You don't have to be a cardinal to be pope. Every pope since 1389 has been a cardinal. Well, high time for a change, then. <laughs> no! High time for a change is not one of the guiding principles of the Catholic Church. <laughs> and even if it were, this woman is a woman. Well, yes, so you keep saying. Well, she is. Well, personally, I have no problem with a female pope. 
No, no, we know you don't. You made that very clear. Well, can I just say, Your Eminence, that here I actually agree with my brother Alonso. There are several abbesses and reverend mothers who I believe are real candidates to lead the church. No, oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. If we're going to do it at all, let's do it properly. Pope Jamelia the first. <laughs> you see, you get a triple whammy. First female pope, first black pope, first pope to have won a Mobo award. <laughs> Let us be frank. It's painfully clear, brother, that you just fancy this Amelia person. No, I, I do not. And her name is Jamelia. All right, but you fancy her. I do not. And even if I did, which I don't, I'm not going to pick a new pope on the basis of whether I fancy them or not. I mean, I haven't fancied any of the last three. <laughs> Is she even a Catholic? Well, I don't know if that's even really important. Yes! Yes, it definitely is. It's definitely important that the Pope's a Catholic. Yeah, well, she might well be. She might be. She doesn't tend to talk about it in interviews, but she might just be one of those people who's very private about their faith. That's not ideal for a Pope. <laughs> and I think the important thing is that she's clearly a very spiritual person. Oh, yes, you can tell just from listening to her songs. Even if she's not, you know, religious in the old-fashioned sense, she's kind of really connected to her spirit. And, and that's, that's the main thing, isn't it? No, it's not the main thing when deciding on the next Bishop of Roma. <laughs> well, we must agree to differ. Oh. But, brother, do you even know if Jamelia wants to be Pope? <laughs> of course she does. I mean, who doesn't want to be Pope? <laughs> I want to be Pope. Oh, do you? Oh, well, I... Obviously, what I really want is Jamelia to be Pope, but, um, yes, I suppose if you press me, the only other candidate I might consider. <laughs> I see. Uh, brothers, I suggest we take another vote. <laughs> so, yes, that, in a nutshell, is how I became Pope. <laughs> and, and what did you do then? Organised a papal trip to Great Britain, met Jamelia, got her to sign my copy of See It in a Boy's Eye, abdicated. Bosh. <laughs> Well done, John. Hmm? Another sketch mocking Christianity? Oh, no, Margaret, it wasn't mocking it. It's just, you know, a bit of silliness. OK, OK. Well, in that case, I hope you're going to do a similar one about Islam next. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, thought not. Too scared. No, no, no. A bit. <laughs> but mainly, no, I just, I just genuinely don't have any ideas for sketches about Islam. I mean, you know the way people are always saying, you know, they're sorry, but this is a Christian country? Yes, but if you're about to say, no, it's not, just No, no, I think it is. I think they're right. I mean, it's a country in which people practice a lot of religions and none, but its history, its literature, its culture are all bound up in Christianity, and most importantly, 70% of the population still tick Christian on the census form. I, I think it is a Christian country, and I grew up in it. I've read the Bible, I've been to church, I, I have a connection with those stories even if I don't believe in them. Whereas I've never read the Quran or been to a mosque. I don't know what a funny imam sounds like. Well, <laughs> then maybe you should find out. What, just in order to mock it? <laughs> I don't know, that doesn't feel right somehow. <laughs> I mean, actually, the non-Christian religion I do know a bit about is Judaism. And I do occasionally have ideas for sketches about that. Um, one Saturday, I saw a man waiting patiently at a Pelican Crossing for someone else to press the button so God wouldn't be cross with him for working. <laughs> now, he has a perfect right to do that, but you can't tell me there's nothing funny about it. <laughs> well, do a sketch about that, then. Really? Do you think I should? Would you find it funny if I mocked the practices of a religion I have no personal connection to? What if I did the voice? Well, all right. 
I have to say, John, in this pretend argument where you get to write both sides... <laughs> I find myself entirely persuaded that you're correct. Thank you, Margaret. That means a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that woman is absolutely stunning. Wow. I mean, I mustn't stare, but really? She's one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen. Those cheekbones, that smile. She really knows how to dress as well. She's so beautiful. I should say something to her. <laughs> no. No, she doesn't want some random stranger commenting on her appearance. It's none of my business. And whatever I'd say is going to make it clear I've been staring at her. It can't help but be creepy. Hang on, though. Don't overthink it. I mean, I'm sure I can make it clear that I'm not trying to chat her up. It doesn't have to be creepy. I'm just giving her a compliment, one human being to another. I know, it's probably best if I avoid some generic, oh, you're beautiful comment, but instead, I just pick one specific attribute. <laughs> yeah, something, something particular I admire about her. And that way she'll know it's a, a genuine compliment, not just a come on. Hmm. What to pick, what to pick. <laughs> Oh, I know. Oh, perfect. No, this... Because they are really amazing, and, and... And people probably never mention them. She is going to love this. Excuse me. I'm getting off here, but I just wanted to say I love your glasses. Oh, thank you. They're really cool. Anyway, I'll leave you alone now. Bye. Oh, God, how can I make such an idiot of myself? <laughs> Well, since you ask me for a tale of a haunted house, I could perhaps relate to you the tale of my own house, which has one particularly startling and surprising quality, which I wager you would never guess, as long as you now forget about what you just asked. <laughs> my tale begins when I was on a hunting trip in Scotland. A party of fellows and myself had undertaken to find, capture, and bring back alive the last wild wolf in Scotland. We were, however, hampered in our ambition by the fact that there was at the time a large and thriving population of wolves in Scotland. It was, therefore, our solemn task to kill all but one of them and bring that one back alive. However, when we arrived in Scotland, we discovered that it is there against the law either to shoot or poison wolves. It's left us with very few options. We tried at first to strangle the wolves with our bare hands. During which period, it is fair to say that the wolves had the better of our exchanges. <laughs> Those of us who survived decided it was time to change tack. And so we settled instead on encouraging the wolves to lead an unhealthy lifestyle. <laughs> it was, therefore, after a long and hard day of throwing donuts to the wolves <laughs> that I returned to the little hunting lodge and donut bakery that I called home. <laughs> There, I found two telegrams awaiting me from the family solicitor. The first read... Return London immediately. Your uncle, dangerously ill, may perish at any time. Make no delay. Aghast, I turned to the other one, sent an hour later. Actually, no rush. Don't hurry. Time no longer of the essence. <laughs> I dashed off a reply. Do you mean to say uncle has died? 
By the time I finished packing, his reply was with me. Well, hardly news to break by telegram. Let's say either that or he's made a full recovery. But you should aim to come back by Sunday anyway, either for his funeral or because he's celebrating his recovery by running a half marathon. <laughs> Accordingly, I hastened home, only to be met at King's Cross by the solicitor himself. Ah, Finnamore. He said. I regret I must inform you that your uncle has, in fact, died. No, cried I, this is just so unexpected. <laughs> I know, I know, particularly after he made such a full recovery. I knew it was unwise for him to train for that half marathon. There is, however, perhaps a silver lining for you, Finnamore, for you are his sole heir and have inherited everything, including his cellar full of vintage champagne and his stately home. I let out a sorrowful hurrah and leapt into my two-seater. I keep one parked on the platform of every train station in London in case of just such an eventuality. Before long, I had driven to the imposing hall which was now my own. I was met on the steps by the butler and the housekeeper, a Mr and Mrs Blissom. Welcome, sir, to Dead Uncle Hall, cried Mr Blissom. <laughs> yes, indeed, sir, you must be young Mr Dead Uncle. No, 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 no said I, my name is Finnamore. My uncle, Sir Henry Dead Uncle, <laughs> was the last of the Dead Uncles. <laughs> I'm afraid the Dead Uncle name is now dead. As dead as my Dead Uncle Dead Uncle. By the way, what exactly happened to the poor fellow? Did he collapse on the running track? Oh, no, sir. Sir Henry died very peacefully, sir, in his bed of poisoning. <laughs> of poisoning? That's right, sir. Just after he discovered... No, 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 he didn't. No, listen, no. if you remember, he died of a heart attack or something in unsuspicious circumstances. Yes, yes, <laughs> You're quite right how silly of me. Yes, that's right, he died of a heart attack just after he didn't discover anything at all. Well, that sounds like Uncle, all right, said I. He was always not discovering anything at all. Although it never killed him before. Be that as it may, sir, welcome to your new home. Yes, yeah, very nice, I'm sure. But I must say, what I'm really interested in is this cellar full of vintage champagne. Champagne, sir? Bless you, no, sir. There's no champagne in this mansion, sir. None at all. Really? Well, let's just have a look in the wine cellar and check. Oh, no, sir, we can't go to the wine cellar. Why ever not? Uh, well, because it's haunted. A haunted wine cellar? Oh, yes, sir, Blissom's quite right. Very haunted, full of ghosts, but no champagne. <laughs> Seemed a little odd to me, but they were both insistent, so I did not press the matter. However, a few days later, I was awoken from peaceful slumbers by strange noises from downstairs, the tinkling of glasses, muted cries of laughter, and yes, surely wasn't that the popping of champagne corks? I made my way through the darkened hall. It seemed to be coming from, of all places, the wine cellar. I sprang to the door and flung it open, and there I saw, in the flickering candlelight, mysterious figures laughing, playing cards and drinking champagne. What's this? cried I. At once the candles went out. Into the darkness I shouted, Who's there? Show yourself! Who are you? After a while, one lone voice quavered back. Just some ghosts, sir. <laughs> At once I saw it all. All this time, Mr. and Mrs. Blissom had been absolutely right the wine cellar was haunted. <laughs> Who are you, spirits? said I. Show yourself! After a while, there was the strike of a match, a candle lit, and a figure shuffled forward. Now, I had always assumed, when I'd seen pictures of ghosts in cartoons and things, but the reason they looked like a person with a dust sheet hurriedly thrown over them is a sort of stylistic shorthand. But I was now to discover that this is, in fact, exactly what ghosts look like. <laughs> Who are you, spirit? said I. Um, I'm the ghost of your uncle, sir. Oh, 
Then why are you calling me sir? <laughs> Let me finish. I am the ghost of your dead uncle, Sir Henry. <laughs> sir Henry. <laughs> sir Henry. <laughs> well, that clinched it. <laughs> Who but my uncle himself could have known that his first three names were indeed all Henry? <laughs> Thanks to an accident at his christening with a stuttering vicar. And who are you, I asked, as another figure emerged behind him. Oh, uh, I'm the ghost of your auntie. My uncle wasn't married. Well, no, but don't you have any other aunties? Auntie Maisie? Yes, why not? I'm the ghost of your auntie Maisie. Auntie Maisie? Yes. Well... I have no idea you were dead. All right, fine. I'm the ghost of Amberlynn, then. But you've still got your head on. Yes, I'm the ghost of her before she had it chopped off. You're the ghost of Anne Boleyn before she died? Yes, yes, I am. Fair enough. And who are these others that I see behind you? Well, a census was taken, and it emerged that Dead Uncle Hall was playing host that night to the ghosts of Napoleon, William the Conqueror, Emily Bronte, Sherlock Holmes, and two different ghosts of Florence Nightingale. <laughs> said I, do you have a message for me? Yes, um, uh, avenge my death. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> Actually, don't, really don't avenge my death or investigate its circumstances or really think about it at all. No, my message is don't ever come into the wine cellar again. <gasps> and also give your servants a pay rise. <laughs> Cried one of the Florences, Nightingale. <laughs> I see, said I. Well, but what's that you're drinking, by the way? I was told there was no champagne in the house. Uh, it's ghost champagne, sir. Do you mean champagne for ghosts or the ghost of some champagne? Either and or both, sir. Well, I'm sorry, but a Finnamore is master of his own home. I will not be forbidden entrance to anywhere, not even a haunted wine cellar. Very well. Said the ghost of Anne Boleyn before she died. But just consider this, sir. We ghost had this exact same conversation with your uncle, sir, just a few days ago. One of you is my uncle. Oh, all right, well, the rest of us did. He took the same position as you, sir, and do you know, the very next morning, he was found dead. Yes, of a heart attack. Well, probably a heart attack, yes. Unless, of course, there was something in his last meal of risotto of unusual mushrooms with pufferfish sorbet to follow <laughs> that disagreed with him. Put it this way, sir. Either you can accept you have a haunted wine cellar and never set foot in it again, or live with the uneasy sense that every risotto you eat in this house will be a gamble with the reaper. <laughs> ah, said I. But you forget, I have a third option. Yes, sir? I could just cook all my own meals. Yes, sir. I suppose technically you could. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of how I came to accept that I have a haunted wine cellar. <laughs> into which I have never set foot from that day to this, although I have eaten several excellent risottos. Good night. John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme was written and performed by John Finnamore with Margaret Cabon Smith, Simon Kane, Laurie Lewin, and Carrie Quinlan. The producer was Ed Morris, and it was a BBC Radio comedy production. And John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme will return next week to meet the Moral Maze in the Thunderdome. <laughs>